the nerve to talk about integrity. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, everybody was in full support of Joel Ortiz when he did the Jell-O record. You remember the Jell-O record? Stop, yo. I'm trying to keep a straight face. Go ahead, man. (laughs) Yes. Like, nobody ever calls anybody out on these things. It's like, yo, you never done anything for a check, then what is the Jell-O record? I'm serious. Yo, go to YouTube right now. Hold up. And type in Joel Ortiz Jello. All right. I'm just just saying, to each his own. To each his own. But when you do things like that and they don't work, it's not anybody's fault. It's not my fault. Niggas keep insulting me with compliments and shit, talking about I won the Grammy and then following it up with an insult. I won a Grammy because I went, I mean, I got nominated for a Grammy because I went and did what was on my heart. If I had went and done Jell-O, then I might have been in the same predicament as you. It to each his own, man. You know what I mean? The Jell-O bunch. Stop, Royce. All right, I'm jumping. Didn't happen. What, the, what, was, what was about to happen that we fucked up in this year? Honestly, we've been off the label for a year. What did I, what did me and Crook speaking our truth fuck up in this last year that y'all, that we didn't get to? While you was over potting and Royce was doing what he was doing, what the what what happened? What did I miss? I what was you. the big fuck up? I, I want to know what, how this got twisted up. Yeah, well, I love you and I want nothing but the best for you. So then, nigga, uh, listen to the uh, album. Uh, That's uh, it. This. Fuck with the album, bro. Fuck with the album, bro. Fuck with the album. If you want nothing but... Fuck with the album, man. Tell people to listen to the album, son. Tell all that album. Because suck my dick. Are you kidding me? Nigga, suck my dick. Don't go there. Huh? You know why they call it C-Town? I don't. You're not ready. You're not ready. What's this? Where we going with this? Shake it, Rory. Parks, don't ask me to shake it. <laughs> I didn't. The song asked you to. Why are you staring at me and playing this? I'm really uncomfortable. <laughs> oh my. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> is that Joel? That's the new shit? Is the new shit with Salam Ruby? Yeah. Nah, I ain't gonna lie, man. Oh, well, I didn't know that was Joel. I knew that was Joel. I didn't know it was Joel. Because I heard the voice. <laughs> yo, call Joel, yo. <laughs>
Yo, 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 yo. I am back, niggas and bitches, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, nigga. Woo! Yeah! Sound like I'm going in the booth, nigga. Yeah, it's your boy King on Uncensored, man. We is back, 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 back. <laughs> That's not putting that jello. <laughs> What you put in that jello? God damn it. Man, fuck Royster 59 for doing that, man. <laughs> oh shit. Well, I didn't comment on this. As soon as I do my slaughterhouse episode. Well, a lot of things came to a head and it ended with a suck my dick. Woo Lord. Whenever suck my dick is put on the table, nothing is ever the same after that. Because it seemed like, all right, so Joe, uh, uh, so Joe Button and Royce the Five Nine did a live together, talking about their side of the story. Since Crooked and Royce talked, uh, Crooked and Joel talked about, you know, their grievances through their records. On the rise and fall of Slaughterhouse. So basically. Royce and Joe denied that they turned down a deal. Well, I hate to break it to those two guys, but not answering is as good as a turndown because Joel offered to Royce that they could be a three-man group minus Joe Button. And Royce said, I can't do it without Joe. That's a turndown. Despite Joe and Royce playing mind games with Joel trying to make Joel look like a complete liar and a man and a crazy nigga when I feel like some of the things that both sides said were correct that's what I think I think both guys I think both sets of guys are saying truth in my personal opinion but however, right? Things got interesting when Joel Ortiz joined the live. Crooked Eye was on a plane to uh, Florida, so he didn't participate. But um, once Joe Button said that that album can suck a dick, whoo, Joel said suck my dick back, as you heard in the intro. <laughs> whoo, once... 
Once you invite a male to your genitalia, it's real beef. And then, like, when Royce brought up the fucking Jello thing, I was like, what the fuck is Jello? I looked the shit up, and that shit you heard in the intro was what I heard. I was like, oh, no. No, Joel. No. That's not you. I understand that you're trying to have a fun record, but at least rhyme, bro. The beat was fire. The video was fire. The bitches in the video. Like, I couldn't stop watching the video, not because of the song, but because of the bitches, though. Joel had bad bitches in the video. And I'm sorry to be using the word bitches usually, but matter of fact, fuck that. I'm not sorry. These was bad bitches. I don't give a fuck. I take back that apology. But other than that, that song was trash. That nigga said, hello, yellow. Joel sounded like a perverted 62-year-old bodega store owner, B. I don't think Crooked Royce or... (laughs) Joe have a song that bad, bro, in their discography. What did I tell y'all in the Rise and Fall of the Slaughterhouse episode, right? I told y'all, Joel Ortiz sounds great in the group, but on his own, not necessarily marketable and too corny to be uh, championed by men and women, like Stunted Growth said. But yeah, bro, that was bad. Royce has got to be the worst friend (laughs) of all time for reminding us about Jell-O. But the question is, the saga did continue. I think Royce... And Joel, uh, Royce and Joe went live earlier today. They wasn't really talking about shit. They went live with Queens Flip. I caught like five minutes of it and cut it off. I'm not really interested in what they have to say anymore. I think that one live was good enough. But let's move on, man. LeBron James scores 56 points against a sliding Golden State team. Man, I feel like people were blowing that shit out of proportion. Now, that's no, there's no denying that 56 points and 10 rebounds in a game is a great performance. We're not denying that. But my million-dollar question is, LeBron, where was this 50-point games like when you guys were trying to stay afloat in a weak Western Conference, might I add? Where was the 50-point games then? When Anthony Davis was playing alongside you, you know that man is injury prone. You only got 56 points. You didn't even get that when you were stat padding. Why now? That's my million dollar question. Where is this energy throughout the season? That's the only question that I got. Because, yes, you can't deny that 56 points and 10 rebounds isn't great against Golden State. But here's the, but here's the problem. 
Here's the problem, though. Golden State got nobody on that team that could check LeBron. The person that, the two people that could check LeBron did not play. And that was Draymond and that was Iguodala. Klay Thompson's not 100%. People were talking about, oh, they, the, the Warriors had their whole team. No, they didn't. But my thing is, it was a great performance, but people are using this 56 points to elevate LeBron's GOAT debate. That's fucking ridiculous. Oh man, it's the first time somebody's done this. The first time that's done that. He's the oldest person. Boo, boo. I'm like, well, fuck nigga. Well, fuck niggas. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about LeBron. This got nothing to do with him. That it has a lot to do with his cult of fanboys. I'ma stick to y'all. He still fell four points short, fuck nigga. You're not Kobe. Because Kobe at the age of 38 had 50 in his final game. Oh, 60. My bad. I'm sorry. 60. So whenever LeBron scores 60 points, or how about this? Beats his career high of 61 points. Because we can spin this narrative any way you want to. LeBron James had 61 points at the age of what? What was he, like 32 or whatever? Kobe had, you know, we can do this all day. We can go, we can play, we can play them games. But all in all, my thoughts on this was, this was probably the most meaningless 56-point game ever of all time. Because... These motherfuckers are shit dead at ninth in a play-in position when the Lakers should at least be top eight. And now you want to go ahead and score. I hope you keep that same energy the rest of the season trying to and try to fight through the play-in. That's all I'm going to say about that. Keep that same energy. Now let's move on to Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum had 54 points. Now, this is meaningful. Boston beat Brooklyn. Now, I know a lot of y'all are going to say, um, Brooklyn, Brooklyn is ninth. I get that. It's still the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving still played. Kevin Durant still played. The only person that was missing was Ben Simmons. Seth Curry played. Andre Drummond played. LaMarcus Aldridge played. Cam Thomas played. Patty Mills played. I think that Tatum 54 means a little bit more. And Boston was out, was without Jalen Brown, I think. Brown didn't play. But with this victory and all, does this elevate M.A. Udoka's cachet as a head coach in this league? Honestly, I think so. 
But shit, Jalen Brown did play. Never mind. I take that back. How come he wasn't available to bet on? Man, I would have bet on that dude. But anyway, Brown was playing. Okay, so I guess both teams were evenly matched. Kevin Durant, you can't take away his 36, 37 points, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, and 2 blocks, but 7 turnovers. That's not going to get it done, KD. It's ironic that KD and LeBron are like on two teams that are occupying the ninth seed. You see, this is what happens when you try to stack the deck. You see, with a super team, you tried to get James Harden over there to stack your team up so that you can automatically secure your spot in the finals. But it didn't necessarily go that way, did it, KD? Did it, LeBron? Both of y'all, this is get back for trying to stack the deck and cheat the game. Play If you play fair, you'll win. LeBron and Kevin Durant have both have talent, bro, and are good enough to lead their teams to the promised land. But you want to get greedy. But I'm just saying, bro. Boston is looking hella credible now. M.A. Udoka, and, and this is the thing, right? Jalen Brown, five assists. Jason Tatum, three assists. All those two guys, Brown and Tatum had to do, was pass. And then Derek White, pick up. That's really all they needed. Boston actually has enough to contend. But I also think that the East got better. The East got better all around. Everybody made choices and acquisitions that helped their team get better. We look at Miami. Miami is three games up on the Sixers for the number one spot. And the Bulls continue to slide. They're on a four-game losing streak, and they got Philadelphia tomorrow. That's going to be huge. But before we talk East versus West, right? Nikola Jokic had 46 points tonight. That's huge. He is an MVP candidate. Do I think he's the MVP? No. There's a couple of things that really have to happen for him to get MVP because... If you look at the West right now, right? Denver is still sixth. Right? Right. So, this is a weak West. The Memphis Grizzlies, as young as they are, they're number two in the West right now. Golden State is has lost eight of ten. Utah is confused right now. They don't know if they're championship contenders or... Or championship pretenders. Dallas just tries to outscore people and don't play defense. So Denver should really be the number two team in the West. That's why I don't think that Joker's the MVP. And I think Joker has an advantage of beating up on weak and confused Western Conference teams. 
versus Embiid's team who has played their whole season without Ben Simmons and still occupying the number two spot in the West and they only just got hardened just now. That's why I feel like Embiid is a lock for MVP. Long as they keep that spot. But that 46-point performance was electric versus the Pelicans. Golden State is 2-8 in their last 10 games. And guess who else is? The Los Angeles Fakers. So y'all missed me with that. Oh, the Lakers are back. LeBron is the MVP. LeBron is the GOAT talk. Goats don't do 2-8 in 10 games. Shit, I don't think Michael Jordan in his prime ever went on a three-game losing streak. And as of today, I'm calling it now. Stephen Curry is officially out of the MVP race. You're playing all these games and you're losing games. It just doesn't seem like you had the Midas touch like you had the first half of the season. And like I told you, Here's why Steph's out of the MVP race. Turnovers. Dumbass turnovers. I know uh, I know superstars turn over the ball because they have the ball most of the time. But this shows you right here that um you don't you don't necessarily have the sauce. Draymond is better at setting plays than you. He's better playing that point guard position than you. You're technically a great two guard who can pass. But Steph is making dumb turnovers. His defense is still there. It's just that offense is too inconsistent for me. And just the fact that you're slipping and you let this young team overtake y'all. Fuck out of here. You're out of the MVP race, guy. You are. Big facts. Man, the Brooklyn Nets are 3-17 their last 20 games, y'all. Now, is this Kevin Durant's fault? No. He's only played in 18 out of the last 20. Three and 17. Kyrie and James Harden ought to be ashamed of themselves. Because they both have played in some of these games. Is it all Kyrie's fault? No. He probably only played like six of these games. (laughs) But we all know whose fault it is. We all know who should shoulder 80% of this blame. And it is Steve Nash. I keep trying to tell you. Why is it Steve Nash fired? 
Let this be Chauncey Billups in Brooklyn. Let this be M.A. Udoka in Brooklyn. Let this be Alvin Gentry. Let this be any black coach ever. And they fired, bro. If the Brooklyn Nets, you have Kyrie, Kevin Durant, James Harden. And you lose 17 out of 20 games. And fall from the number one seed all the way to the ninth. I'm saying, though, come on, man. Fire this nigga. Niggas are going to be like, what about this injury? No, nah, nigga. Steve Nash is a horrible coach. Horrible. They should have never let go of that Kenny Atkinson guy because he's a better coach than that piece of shit. I'm sorry. You got to point the finger right at the coach. Lack of adjustments. Poor lineups. Sean Marks deserves a little bit of blame for not getting any defensive players. But then again, Ben Simmons was the defensive player to come back in that package. Andre Drummond has been a disappointment so far from what I've seen. He hasn't really done nothing but get dunked on. Get faked out of his mind. He's doing the same old Andre Drummond shit in Detroit. Andre Drummond is trash. I'm going to go ahead and say that now. I tried to give him a chance in Brooklyn. I watched a few games and I was not impressed. This man used to be double-double, double-double machine. Now this motherfucker can't even score two goddamn points. Awful, man. Awful. All right. Now Lotto... Lotto, let's move on to Big Lotto. So Lotto is dropping a single called Wheelie, and she is giving clues as to who is going to be featured on a song called Wheelie that's dropping on the 11th. Now, all clues are pointing to Cardi B, and a Lotto-Cardi B collab would be great. That's good. That would be good for her, Cache as an artist, and Lotto happens to be one of those artists that I fuck with. You know, I was introduced to Lotto by a bunch of girls. I was like, who is this chick? And I'm like, oh, okay. Let's see uh, Let's see what else she got. Then Bitch from the South comes out, and I'm like, okay, I like this girl. She's going. She's all right. She's, she's right in that middle, you know. I mean, honestly, I prefer her over Megan. But right now, I think they're evenly matched. I think they're right in the same spot to me. Cardi's a fucking star. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she was a star before music. You know, now she just got her fucking flag in the bitch now. So I'm looking forward to that. All right, man. New Music Fridays. I guess there was a New Music Fridays because two artists happened to release albums on Friday that I was interested in taking a look at. All right, so 
the cool kids drop something. I mean, if you're unfamiliar with them, it's Chuck English and Sir Michael Rocks. They've been out since 08, 07. And, you know, Chuck English is a, a well-established producer. I didn't even know they released the album in 2020. They released an album called When Shit Gets Weird. I believe that's the name of it. And Before Shit Got Weird. Alright. It was 21 songs. It was a lot. I was worried about listening to this project. Let me uh, give me a track list, goddammit. So I can go so I could go through the tracks and shit. Alright, so in the mix, mm, that was okay. Not really a way to start off an album. Showtime skit, that was cool. I like that. You know, they were I guess prepping people for the album or whatever. Horizon Island. The foot the hook was funny. But I really wasn't feeling that shit. Scam Likely was dope. I fuck with that. Pick up on line six. Um, Wasn't necessarily feeling that. Hibachi featuring Kia and Nikki Sweets. Eh, that was kind of mid. Cells and Scales skit. That was great. Tony Two Sweaters interlude. Yeah, man. It was good to see skits on albums, man. I kind of missed that. That's a missing part of the game. Niggas don't put funny skits on their albums anymore. Dapper Dan Leather was pretty okay. It's yours part two was decent. Strictly Business was cool. But... All or Nothing featuring Larry June was fire. I'm, I, 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 I've, I've said this on my show hundreds of times. I'm not a fan of Larry June. I'm a fan of the production that he picks. I don't like Larry June at all. That shit gets no play in my ride. But Larry June killed this song. And I got to give it to him. I got to shake his hand on that one. He killed that All or Nothing with the cool kids. That beat. Is crazy. Definitely a, su- a great suggestion. Too Bad featuring A-Track and Pell. That's my favorite song on the album. Too Bad should be a single. Like, that should be in heavy rotation, I think. I'm coming over there with Guap Dad 4000. That was pretty solid. Twerk Mobile was a funny-ass skit. I like that. Riding clean was tough. Light work with six black and Jid was tough. Love that shit. Before shit got weird, Skip was okay. Triumph Part 2 was good. Low Sodium was super mid. Warm Handshakes was mid. Um, My overall thoughts about this album, I was kind of disappointed. I'm pretty sure they probably had better shit than that. I ain't gonna lie. The production was there, though. Chuck English, man, he is an underrated producer. 
in my personal opinion. Yeah, the beats were there. That's definitely going to be probably in that top 10 best produced conversation. Could make the top six, but, you know, it's only fucking March. You know, we got until October, late October, early November to decide, like, who had the best produced album of the year and shit. So if the album is in the best produced category, you know, it's not going to be there long. Next, next up, we have Ace Hood dropping the album Mind, Memories Inside Never Die. This is what happens when trying to be woke goes wrong. When sometimes you can be too woke. I felt like this project had a lacking of balance. And then plus, there wasn't nothing for the ladies on here. You know what I'm saying? There wasn't any female songs. And Ace Hood usually puts four or five of those bitches on there. But this is only like an 11-track project. I do understand that he had a concept. You know, he was just talking about world issues. You know what I'm saying? He was talking about, you know, cops killing black people. And, you know, he had about four or five of those. <laughs> instead of the four or five girl records to go along with the four or five cops killing black people records. I really honestly just couldn't get into this project for real, for real. Um, I think memories inside never die was okay. At war was mid glory was mid demonstration was kind of mid Love for Liberates was mm, free was uh, Little Light was fire. Little Light is probably the best song on this project. And it's definitely vintage Ace Hood. And then Ace Hood don't, you know, it ain't talking about the cars. Now Ace Hood can't talk about jewelry. You know, we, we you lost that you lost that that right to, to not he lost that right to talk about jewelry. You remember what happened on the BET red carpet when it, when his fucking watch fell off when the ice fell off his watch, or should I say, uh, ice cream? <laughs> the ice cream melted. Um, yeah, little light was fire. Greatness with Killer Mike was fire. That was a good track. Exit 41 was dope. And Wisdom was dope. So it's really only four tracks I like. But the album isn't trash. It was just... Too woke. It was disappointing because I know Ace Hood got more left in the tank than that. You know, I'm a big fan of Ace Hood's. I feel like he's an underrated MC, in my personal opinion. He'd embody some joints over the years. And he has a good discography. But I just feel like the album was just too woke. Kind of disappointing. Let's see, was that everything? Or, you know what? I 
think that's it, man. I think that's all I really had to talk about, man. This is King Known Uncensored. <laughs> I didn't even come out with a title for this show. What's the title going to be? Uh-oh. I don't need no fucking title for this beat. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what the title should be called. But no, I'm going to call it Jello. <laughs> That would be a perfect title, Jello. Hello, Jello. <laughs> I'm get the fuck out of here, man. I'm gonna stop making fun of that man, Joel Ortiz, man. I'm supporting the album, by the way, on Friday. I'm gonna buy a copy of the album, man. This King don't sister, man. I'm out this bitch, bro. <laughs> <laughs>